From the vistas of the Grand Tetons, this is Lost River Legends. Here we discuss Bigfoot, skinwalkers, UFOs, aliens, and other paranormal topics. We want you to join us in seeking that which is hidden and obscured from our view. and get settled in and comfortable as your hosts, James and Brett, enter into the realm of shadows. Enjoy the show. So uh, we've, got, we've had a lot going on in our just our everyday lives and in our realm, each as, as dads and providers and all that, so... Sorry we didn't have an episode last week. Um, we had some stuff fall through, and but we were super excited about some of the stuff we have on the horizon. Um, we just finished, well, we watched part of uh, The Hunt for the Skinwalker. Do you have any first impressions about that? So, yeah. So, like James said really quick, you know, we've just been really busy. Um, it's the first time we've really been able to connect in person for a while. And uh, we're pretty excited, so we had a time to sit down and watch about half of The Hunt for Skinwalker. It's Jeremy Corbell's uh, latest documentary about Skinwalker Ranch, and, you know, it's pretty wild. There's a lot of stuff in there that um, that they tell us about that was never released in the book that was released in, like, 95. Yeah, um, there's there's even just a little intricate details in in uh, that wolf encounter that you know they said that the wolf had walked up to him and was friendly, but that he had pet its head. And part of me is like, well, but if it was five feet tall, why weren't you, you know, crapping your pants right, right. there on the spot? Yeah, you know, the, I I know in the book there was a lot of more. De- there's more descriptors with the incident that suggested that this wolf was very tame and friendly and i think they thought that it was like a pet of someone nearby until it got closer and it was bigger and bigger and but yeah you're absolutely right i mean this is this is something that uh it's like this skinwalker ranch it's just like this magnetic anomaly that uh has just come out of nowhere really but I think the biggest thing is um, it really seems like with the Skinwalker, uh, the documentary itself, it seems like there's definitely going to be a, another installment. seems like they're teasing us with information almost. And uh, one of those things that really um, scratches the surface of really what's going on there because, you know, there's documentation, there's books, there's audio. Uh, there's videotapes, and he, you know you got this two-hour documentary, and it's just scratching the surface. Yeah, I mean, the fact that uh, George Knapp had like thirty to forty hours of footage, and then he just has boxes upon boxes of of documents, and um, we don't know, you know, how much of that's being shown to us. Um, yeah. There's obviously some some shielding going on as far as like the main people involved and i th- i think that they've probably really had enough of of any of the involvement with things um and i don't blame them you know 
it's a, it's a big chunk of their lives that's very traumatic and uh from what it sounds like it's followed them and that's that's not something that's fun to to live with day in and day out yeah you know and george alludes to that in the in the recording in the documentary itself that um more than one person not just the gormans that were involved the homeowners of the ranch but other things um and other people um, they've had incidents outside of the ranch after they visited the ranch. Um, pretty wild stuff. But do you want to talk about our upcoming shows that are coming up a little bit? Just kind of tease. Uh, we've been teasing on the blog and on our Facebook kind of what's going on. But um, we've been in contact with some pretty high caliber uh, talent out there. And we're we're ready to go with some really good episodes. Yeah, so um, the first uh, guest that we're going to have, um, his name is Brian Forrester. He actually is living in South America, I believe in Peru. And um, he appears on the Watchers series with um, L.A. Marzulli. And he's very closely following a lot of the investigation um, surrounding the Paracas skulls. Um, he he kind of knows where... You know the accesses to these things. There's different areas of of the deserts down there um, that he knows where. You know, there's there's evidence of this civilization, and so um, he's he's a very key player. Uh, he also is mentioned by uh, David Wilcock and others uh, as being, you know, pretty a pretty important piece of the puzzle as far as uh, putting those things together. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the greatest thing is, you know, you have all these people that are across the world. Um, certain time, time frames, you know, we just talked about George Knapp, um, Colm Kelleher, and others that were involved with Skinwalker Ranch, and how those experiences can bleed into other areas. But yeah, um, Brian Forrester, he, he's agreed to come on and visit with us to talk about the Paracas Skulls and some of his work in Egypt um, surrounding... Um, uh, Luxor and the pyramids of Egypt um, in Giza and and other um, mytho- not mythological but um, mysterious ancient civilizations and uh, we hope to have some really good questions for him that hopefully that he has might not have heard that much um, so it's just going to be a, a very new fresh insightful um, experience uh, for us and hopefully for him. But uh, we're also going to be um, interviewing uh, Timothy Renner. For those that don't know Timothy, um, he's written, uh, he has three books out, and I think he's coming out with his fourth very soon. Um, it's Bigfoot in Pennsylvania, and then Bigfoot uh, West Coast Wild Men, and then The Seventh Gate is his third installment. Um, not installment, it's not a series, but his third book. Um, but I follow, I follow him on Facebook. Um, I listen to his podcast, Strange Familiars, and, uh, he's got some really great content. He's been on with Duke, uh, Sullivan, uh, from World Bigfoot Radio. Uh, he's been on the confessionals with Wes and he's been on Coast to Coast. So both of these gentlemen, uh, they have a huge, uh, base of knowledge. They've done a lot of work. Uh, they're authors, uh, they have their own shows. And so we're excited to have them on. Um, and as you can tell, the sound probably sounds a little bit different today, but we're actually recording in a, in a different uh, location this time. Um, 
But uh, yeah, we're excited with the upcoming content. Hope you guys like it. And uh, today we're actually going to talk about um, some things um, that have happened to both James and I um, that have caused us to question reality, question the world around us. Um, so I think, James, did you want to share your first experience with us? Yeah. You have a few to choose from. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think of which one I would want to start off with. Um, well, when it comes to, when it comes to um, paranormal stuff, you know, I think the, the most top of mind thing is UFOs. I think that's always been something that's grasped my attention since a, a very young age. Um, I was, I was always kind of peering through the, the covers of a blanket, uh, watching, uh, unsolved mysteries and the different, you know, UFO alien abduction specials, uh, grew up with my, my dad watching sci-fi stuff, you know, Dr. Who V V was one that scared me so bad as mm -hmm. a kid. And, uh, of course, close encounters of the third kind. That was yeah. a staple that, you know, it was almost like, a you know, every every three to four months that had to come out you know and it it was like it's it's so riveting that you can't look away kind of a film yeah i watched it the other day and it's a fascinating movie and it's interesting the things that it all hits on and how relevant they are even today um it's just it it's really interesting how that works out that you think some of these things would fade away over time but these things are really Things in this movie, particularly, they've stuck around the whole time. Yeah, you've got um, a lot of different aspects to it where you have the experiencers and then they kind of come together. And then you have uh, you have basically a government cover up of what the culminating event is there. Um, you know, I've heard it from multiple sources, um, many different sources that that actually was a real event that happened. Um, you know, and that Spielberg was read in on this and that that was, a you know, something that um, he depicted. Who knows? Right. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. I think that that definitely had a big budget, you know, it had some kind of big name actors, um, had uh, lots of visual effects that were cutting, cutting edge at the time. So, yeah, I mean, just growing up with that, that's, you know. That's always there. There's fire in the sky came out later with the uh, Travis Walton, Travis Walton story. Yeah. And of course that Hollywood version of it, um, we know that's, that's quite a far departure from his actual account. And yeah. He's told his account probably hundreds of times at this point, but um, you know, I've heard, you know, from his mouth, at least three to four different accounts uh, that, that all overlap pretty pretty closely. Yeah, that movie um, for a long time really drove me nuts in a bad way. It, it frightened me because I think the biggest thing was how realistically that they put you in his shoes and you were kind of an experiencer with him as the movie went along. So they did take a lot of creative... Um, they, they pulled the creative card uh several times um and if you ask travis how close the movie follows his actual book or his story it, like james said it's a far departure but you know when he's on the table when he's alone like that just especially in the forest 
you're out in the middle of the forest. I mean, we, you, you and I are, have been in the forest, and it can be pretty, pretty frightening. Yeah, I think the scariest part of that film is actually the the main kind of head general uh, alien that's kind of more in charge. Has just got you know it's wrinkly and kind of turns its head funky, yeah. and it just kind of gets under your skin. Hollywood's really good at that. Um, but with all of that, you know, I I had always I had always um, like secretly kind of wished that I had had some kind of experience to like substantiate like to talk this, about this share cu- this curiosity you know uh you know I, I have a vivid dream of being camping up by table rock um and and um waking up and going outside of the tent in the dream and looking out over the mountainous horizon and looking up and and seeing a ufo and saying oh no not again who knows, you know, if that's something that actually happened or if it's just this weird memory that I have of a dream. Um, so that's that's one of those things that's just kind of always, you know, made you wonder. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, Table Rock, you know, that's within the shadows of the Teton Range is technically part of the Teton Range. Right. And uh, one of the best uh, views of the Tetons that you can get is by hiking Table Rock. So. Interesting little plug there. Yeah. So um, my wife and I, we've been married 15 years, and she comes from a very different background than I, than I do. And um, she she's kind of what I'd consider like a pretty, I, I would say like an untrained psychic. Like she kind of has, like tells me about different experiences or different, you know, the the door's there, but I don't open it kind of a thing. And so she's pretty well tuned to reading people. Um, she's very good at people just walk, like she's kind of empathic. Like people walk up to her and just share their whole life story with her. And she's like, okay, hey, I'm just checking out my groceries here. I got to move on. But she's, um, you know, she's a great partner in that she's sensitive to th- things that I'm not. Um, but this first um, experience was up in Rigby and uh, it had to have been around 2009 2010 uh, I was just finishing up school and we had some friends up there that we were visiting and we had you know had dinner with them and we were headed home um, I think at the time we had one or two kids and they were with us and it was pretty chilly out so it wasn't really we weren't outside a whole whole lot but you know we were walking down from their balcony kind of talking to them still saying goodbye, and then we walked out into kind of a clearing between the apartments, and we basically, for lack of a better term, saw a spotlight on us, and it was far up. It was it was basically, it looked like what you'd expect to see on a search helicopter, but no sound, um, kind of coming from a further distance, we asked our friends that were still out, hey, did you see that? And they said, see what? And we just said, that, you know, we, we just saw a spotlight. And then as we looked, um, as the spotlight went away, it basically just kind of moved and it just faded into the distance and was gone. And we just kind of sat there going, uh, what did we just see? You know, what, what could that have been? Doesn't make sense to us. The typical response, right? Yeah. And I mean, it was really quick, but I mean, in memory, it felt like a long time. And that's what's kind of weird about 
those type of experiences is that they in our minds take a lot more time than they actually did you know yeah. the whole thing was probably five to ten seconds total and it just feels like it was forever yeah your senses really ramp up to another level and your your mind uh your sight your senses everything is just really amped up and i've heard a lot of people have had traumatic encounters that it's just time almost stops everything's like slow motion and that's because your mind is just going overboard and processing what's going on comparing it to what it's known before trying to figure out what it is what's going on plus there's that adrenaline dump that really hits you that is at play as well yeah it's really it's it's really interesting if you think about that that um you know, our our brains are trained from a very young age to understand things like gravity. You know, something's going to fall. Um, I'm going to fall. Uh, you know, this is the shape that holds water. <laughs> this is the shape that, you know, there's there's different um, schemas that we learn all along the way, and our brain subconsciously can pick up on those things. But then when it comes time to hey i don't recognize this i don't recognize this experience i don't recognize i I don't have a place in memory anywhere of of this type of an experience maybe that's what's happening you know Mm -hmm. that the brain is just kind of reeling and trying to trying to locate that bit of data so to speak yeah searching for it's like your mind searching for all right what's going on you know um it's like it's like it's searching for a memory that's not there almost. Yeah, you know, you you have this smell. Oh, I've smelled that before, and you, it takes a while for your mind to really pick up on those memories and and uh, and get that out in the open. But um, yeah, that's an interesting encounter. Um, how far away do you think the light was? Like the source of the light? Would you I, say? I would say it felt between a half mile and a mile up in the sky. I mean, it was far. So straight up or like distance wise? Um, just from point A to, from us to the source. As a crow's fly. Yeah, as a, as crow, a crow, flies. crow flies. But I mean, it was not like directly 90 degrees above us. It was kind of more, you know, at like a 60 degree departure from us. Wow. But what color was the light? Was it like an LED light? Was it a, a yellow light? I would it? say it was like a white a white light clear pretty clear pretty you know and the way that the light was diffused you could tell it wasn't close you know kind of like just like a spotlight from right. a, from a helicopter but it's luminosity over time yeah a but bit. further away so that's that's kind of that experience i mean it's it's not enough to really go run and do a report on it it's not anything to be like you know, in the newspaper, but it's just like, okay, something's not, not normal here. Mm -hmm. You know, just kind of put a little tick mark and go on with life. I mean, I didn't lose sleep over it that night. Yeah. It's interesting how, you know, these things happen to people and they're just like, Oh, just went around, you know, I did, I just saw UFO interesting and life goes on and, you know, sun rises, sun sets, day comes days go and you know it's it's interesting how people have processed those things and some people have had really traumatic experiences and it's changed their life completely so it's interesting that you were in that kind of safe zone 
um, you know, that kind of leads, you know, we're talking about lights. Um, and just for the listeners, those that you don't know, you know, we've listed a, a lot of these experiences that each of us have had on the blog on our website. So if you just go to lostriverlegends.com, click on the blog, down towards the bottom, it's one of the earliest things that we posted on the account. I think it might have been the first things that we mm-hmm. posted on the account um, when we first went live. But, you know, as we're talking about lights, um, one of the experiences that I had, um, interestingly enough, was with my wife. We've been married almost 14 years um, as of right now. And uh, when we first got married, this happened when we were first got married. And we were living in uh, south of where we live right now, um, in Shelley, um, in Idaho. And we were driving to our house. We were living with a family member at the time uh, before we actually purchased our home and moved in. And I know it was Christmas time-ish. I can't remember if it was Christmas Eve um, or right before Christmas Eve, but I know Christmas had not happened yet. And we were driving from. I believe it was my parents' home, and we were driving home. Um, we don't have any. We didn't have any kids at the time. It was just her and I. Um, we were driving her pickup. It was a 1992 uh, Toyota pickup truck with an extended cab. It was red. Um, and man, the details of this, I just, I just remember this so clearly. So we're driving the back roads. Um, we're off the beaten path. We're driving the back roads. We. We've memorized all the roads to get home from point A to point B um, in our little commute because this was a daily commute for us. And uh, so we're driving. I remember we turn we turn around a bend and we're driving. And this is like out in the sticks. I mean, it's the area that we're driving in. It's just farmland. It's just open. There's hardly any homes. You know, it's homes every country mile, so to speak. And we're driving. And it's at night, it's close to midnight, and uh, all of a sudden the inside of our vehicle starts illuminating in this blue um, LED kind of colored light. Um, I think I explained to James that it almost looked like the the light from the Tesseract on the Avengers. Um, It's that kind of a light, kind of an electric blue. Um, We did not see a light source. We just saw the representation of light in the cab of the vehicle. And again, we're in the, it's the middle of nowhere. Um, there's no street lamps. There's, there's a home close by to where we saw this, but all the lights were off. Um, and this happened right before we hit a stop sign. And I remember slowing down and I turned to my wife and I said, you just saw that light, right? And she says, yep. I just saw that light and we had a little conversation. What was it? What's going on? And, you know, I, I'm into the paranormal. Don't get me wrong. Even back then. Um, but I was trying to find an explanation for what I just saw. So the inside of the, the cab, um, you know, we have a dome light, which is a yellow light that was off. It didn't come on. It didn't flicker. There's nothing wrong with it. Her stereo. Um, it was a CD. It was it was interesting because I don't know why I remember this. Um, just stupid information that's in my head. Um, but it was a Sony branded CD player, an aftermarket, and it was the Explode model, whatever. 
but it was red. Like all the lights on the dash on the radio were red. And then the rest of the lights on the vehicle itself, um, just the dash lights and whatnot, they were all that kind of soft, like 90s green, right? Uh, incandescent bulbs, whatever. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And this was before like the cell phones we have right now. We had a flip phone. We each had one between us, but again, no lights. They weren't on. They didn't ring. They didn't buzz. There was nothing. So stopped the car at the stoplight. Um, we look around. Our surroundings actually turned off my headlights so we could get more ambient light um, just from the environment that we were in at that intersection to kind of adjust to our sight, our eyes. Didn't see anything. There was no other people, no other vehicles on the road. So I did a 180. I turned back around and I stopped the truck at this, I don't know, it was probably maybe 200 feet from the stop sign when we when it actually happened. So I went back, stopped in the exact spot, and I remember looking out in the fields and I was like, okay, maybe someone had a spotlight. You know, weird circumstances that bounced off this, bounced off that, and you know. Or there was a light on a barn. Who knows? I mean, it was there was nothing um, out there. You know, and it's snowing. There's snow on the road. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was no missing time. There was no strange feeling. Like, we didn't feel, like, threatened. We didn't feel strange. We didn't hear anything. We didn't feel anything. But, um, yeah, so we kind of chalked that up as one of the weirdest things that we've ever experienced. Um, and then we went home and I think it was about a week later and I've been trying to dig up the report, um, in the archives of the local news. Um, and, and I kind of want to do that a little bit more, but it seems like there was some kind of a report in the local news of something happening wow. that night, but I, I can't remember. So don't promise me that, or I won't promise that that happened, but Something very interesting is uh, my wife was telling her sister, who at the time lives about um, from where we lived at that time to where she lived at that time, uh, an hour-ish drive, 45 minutes, an hour. And she was telling her, yeah, we saw this light in our car, and it was blue, and it was like we couldn't find out what happened, and we had no idea where it came from. And then her sister chimes in, and she says, okay, when did this happen? We tell her, yeah, it was like Christmas Eve or you know whatever day it was. Okay, what time did it happen? Oh, it was close to midnight. And she says, you know, that was really weird because the exact same thing happened to me, like out in the country where I live. I was driving home. It was about the same time, um, same date, and she saw the same blue light. Just weird. Yeah, I think that's. <laughs> I think that's the weirdest piece to it that it happened. And so, you know, I was, I was going back and I'm like, okay, maybe, um, maybe my, uh, whatever they call them, the photons coming from the sun were like bombarded. Like we had a solar flare and it like hurt our retinas and we just drove through this concentrate. You know, I was coming up with all sorts of like wacky ideas to prove that there was something some, in some, the real world that could yeah. explain this. Some bit of rational thought. To behind what you're seeing how how long did the light shine can, can you i know again um, that time thing kind of yeah time warp happens so it, it kind of it's like if 
It wasn't like someone turned on a light switch and then turned it off. It wasn't sudden. It wasn't abrupt. It was like someone had a little, a slow, um, excuse me, a slow dial, you know, on a, on a, on a dimmer switch and turned it up really slow. And then it kind of hung at its peak brightness and then it turned back down and then it was off. But I remember looking up, she had a, in that vehicle, that was the first vehicle that she bought and she had owned it for about four or five years at that point. And it, it was interesting because it had an aftermarket sunroof that the dealership had put it in. And I remember seeing the light in the cab reflecting off the inside glass of the sunroof. I remember seeing the inside glass. Like, so when you're driving at night, you know, if your cell phone's out or whatever, you can see that light bouncing off the light or off the windows in right. your car, right? That's exactly what we experienced. I mean, you could see it. It was reflecting on the, the dash itself. The dash was black plastic. I remember seeing it being illuminated by this blue light. I remember our bodies being illuminated by it, but there was no source of light in the cab. Like, there was no uh, source that we could identify that this light was coming from. It was just coming out of nowhere, but it was a physical light that yeah. was impacting our environment. No no single source nope. could be identified. That's so interesting. And the family, the family connection piece... I mean, I remember you telling me this story and me just being like, now what happened? And then you, like, the coup de grace of the whole thing is just you being like, yeah, and her sister had the same thing happen the yeah. same night, same same exact way. It's like, okay. And it was in a car. It was it's like, like okay, so you have yeah. some technology that can trace someone's DNA, you know, from miles away. Like, how do you even... Yeah. Ra- rationally describe that you know unless it's something from the other side yeah you know maybe it's some weird dimensional familiar connection who knows but yeah it was it was wild um again i didn't there was no fear i didn't feel scared it was just like what in the heck is going on it was just so perplexing and it's still to this day i think about it every now and again and i'm going is there anything that could explain what happened and i cannot come up with anything so any of the listeners out there if you're listening to this you have your idea let me know and even with james's encounter (laughs) if you pick these apart or whatever i don't care but if there's something that you feel like you could explain and but i'm chalking this up as a paranormal paranormal experience um of the highest order high order anyway yeah i think that there's I mean, I can't, I can't say you didn't see what you saw, but the fact that you saw it with your wife, you know, you got two witnesses there, and then, and then you have the sister-in-law. That the same thing. That's like a third, yeah, you know, source of the same thing. That's just so bizarre. You know, and I actually, I haven't even actually talked to her since that, my sister-in-law, about that. And so I'm interested. I'm actually going to be hopefully seeing her tomorrow. I actually might pull her aside and say, um, do you remember? That one time when <laughs> see if see see if she recalls or if it was just kind of pushed out into the you know far reaches of her mind and she's just kind of chalked it up and forgot about it. Who knows? But yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, for, for me, it's not it's not um, something that I can't accept. You know what I mean? And that's I think that's when it comes to 
you know, UFO stuff. I'm so open, open-minded to it. You know, I could go on the, you know, MUFON or MUFORK or UFO hunters mm-hmm. and just, you know, there's... Just eat it up. Just sightings within miles of here, you know, and it's makes me want to just run outside and watch the sky. And for me, you know, I've always been one to look up, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I'd always look up and I'd see, you know, a plane or whatever. I was always the kid that, you know, would stop playing to watch the plane fly over like the whole path. (laughs) Right. Uh, But yeah, there's, I mean, you kind of, you kind of learn what's, what's normal behavior for an aircraft. What's a normal behavior for, um, you know, a helicopter, that kind of a thing. Um, my wife and I were on the way, let's see, we were on the way to Boise from Idaho Falls. And I think it's Highway 84. And there's just a lot of nothing out there. There's a lot of pretty barren you know we're in the high desert so there's a lot of farms and then just kind of nothing um in this particular section we were between twin falls and boise so it's like past jerome if any of you are familiar and there's actually mountain home air force base is pretty close to, to to boise it's towards the tail end of this and this actually was you know quite a ways before that by probably 30, 40 minutes. Not that it's out of the realm of possibility of what we saw was was military. That was my first impression, in fact. Um, so I, I'm driving this small compact car. It's freezing cold outside. It's winter. Um, and that's what another thing that made it kind of weird. Um, so we we see some lights kind of just dancing in this, this field um, that kind of parallels the, the highway. And it's a stretch probably, I would say it's probably two to three, maybe top five miles tops, where it basically looked like, the best way I could describe it, it looked like helicopters, multiple, with their lights going back and forth, kind of like how like a skater would skate in a skating rink, just kind of doing circles back and forth, but there's multiple of them. And they're kind of, it looks like they're almost taking turns and then crisscrossing over. So they're not moving in sync with one another. They're They're kind of moving. They're kind of all doing their own thing. And at first it was just like, yeah, you know, there's, there's a military base out here. They could easily be doing nighttime maneuvers, whatever. And as we came up on it, it just got more weird and more weird. And the behavior didn't seem typical of, of a helicopter. Um, Do you remember any sounds? I don't, and I, you know, going you know, the rotors of the helicopter. We're, we're going eighty. It's you know, night. it's windy. Yeah. It's cold. So it's like kind of you know, road noise. So as far as picking up any of the sound, I mean, there was no sound. Um, I remember there being like a cell phone tower, tower, and you know, those are like hundred to hundred fifty feet tall, and they have a beacon on top, so nothing hits them. And this was like right almost smack in the middle of that. That was almost like their halfway point. And it just looked like almost like two teams of helicopters flying back and forth, taking turns. If that even wow. makes sense. Um, and we watched it for a good, as far as we could going, you know, that speed, it felt like closer to 10 minutes. Cause you could kind of see them as you're coming up on it and they could see them as you're right up on it and, and then passing them, passing it. So, 
Um, and that's, that's one of those things that was like, well, I'm not sure, you know, but it, I can't really explain it. Um, and your, your mind kind of wants to go, oh, yeah, you know, definitely unidentified. It was unidentified and flying. So, but um, that's one of those experiences that we, you know, when we tell people, yeah, we've seen stuff, you know, that's one that comes up that's like, kind of your go to. Like yeah. Just, yeah. That's interesting. You know, I think that the, the amount of people, you know, you mentioned UFO Hunters website. New Fork uh, and MUFON, and, you know, and there's other websites out there. Those are kind of the bigger, bigger ones that we know of. And this is what, uh, this is a platform that people can report their sightings on. Um, did you report that sighting? No, no. I, I don't know if I was aware of at the time the, the ability to share and, and just didn't think so much of it. Again, it wasn't so life-changing and could it have been a bunch of helicopters yeah it could have been you know it, you know it wasn't a huge tank of gas for them to mm -hmm. fuel to fly out there and do whatever maneuver so you know but it just seemed like some dangerous yeah. <laughs> bizarre behavior for a nighttime yeah uh pattern for you know an exercise you know and i don't say that to, to put you on the spot but you know i didn't report mine either um until this year, I think I reported it to New Fork and uh, gave as much detail as I've just given you guys. Um, but I think that goes to say that out of all the reports that we have access to that have been reported, that there's probably a quite a large percentage of unreported sightings. Um, you know, we talk about Bigfoot and the sightings. Um, I think UFOs are probably a little more safer. Um, to talk about maybe than Bigfoot, I I don't know, but I would think that probably more people would report would rather report a UFO sighting, or lights, whatever you want to call it, than they would like a Bigfoot. But I I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I think that there's, yeah. Again, for I mean, for three of mine, one only one got a report. You know, and I think that that's where, you know, for if it's unique enough i don't know if it's standout enough to be like hey like yeah. you know I, like does it meet the qualify is it a qualifier maybe it's for just, them to actually list on their uh on their servers sure yeah for me it didn't seem like the other those were you know met the barrier of entry or just didn't even come into my mind hmm. as an idea to do that but no missing time Nothing weird. I mean, it was so far away. It seems like yeah. you're kind of a safe distance. Yeah, I remember just trying to put ground behind us. You know, it's a night drive to Boise. It wasn't the most glamorous trip, you know. Interesting. That's pretty cool. I don't know that I've heard that one from you before. You've had quite a few um, different experiences. I'm sure you've probably told it to me in the past, but, you know. Yeah. Uh no, I don't know. I don't know if I've tried on that one. Cool. So it looks like we're just kind of going back and forth here. So it looks like I'm on the hot seat. Hit the ping pong ball your Hit way. Hit the ping pong ball. <laughs> Pass the baton. Um, so this next one that I'm going to share, um, it's one of the more sensitive ones uh, to me personally. 
And uh, it's one that um, I don't share lightly. Um, I haven't shared it with hardly any anyone. Um, I think I've shared it with you, shared it with my wife. Um, I think I might have written it in my journal. Um, but I think it's important to get it out there because, you know, the more these stories are out there, um, hopefully, you know, the collective hive mind uh, of these um, of these topics and the followers and the and the believers in them, hopefully, that'll lead to uh, more discussion and hopefully to some answers. Um, if anything, it kind of brings those um, kind of unbelievably strange things to light and and have a have a safe place to talk about them, I guess. But um, this happened in. Uh, let's see, it was fall, maybe early spring of 2003. And at the time, um, I was in a service mission uh, for the church that I serve or am a part of. And at the time, I was in Evansville, Indiana uh, when this happened. So, um, the the person um that i was assigned with um we call them a companion uh in the in the in the field uh, the mission field um he and i were coming home from a church member's home and <clears throat> we all had a curfew and that we had to be home before a certain time um kind of a return and report kind of a scenario and uh, he and i were on our way home we were riding our bicycles and we were and I think I actually put the map of where this happened that I can best remember. Um, I know that I got the street right. I just don't know if I got the intersection right. Um, so if you're interested in finding out where it happened, um, for whatever reason, you can go to the, the blog and you can find the, the link to the uh, Google uh, link that we placed on the page. But we were driving our bikes. It was dark. You know, it was past nine o'clock. and. I'd had kind of a, I was struggling physically because I had some really bad problems with my health and more especially with my knees at the time. And so it was a, I was having kind of a health scare um, while I was out there, which was causing a lot of stress, a little anxiety and whatnot. Um, but I remember I was riding my bicycle and I was probably, you know, we weren't riding next to each other. We were not paralleling each other down the street. He was kind of uh, taking his time. I was riding a little faster. I was riding on a mountain bike. And uh, I don't know, he was probably 20, 30 feet behind me, something like that. Um, decent distance, comfortable distance behind me. And I remember riding down the street. We were in this intersection, you know, and the, the street lights were over our head and they would kind of come and go as we would come up on them. And I just had this terrible feeling come over me. And it was kind of a, uh, hopeless, just a dark, just um, hard to explain. Uh, it's just kind of like the light just kind of got snuffed out. You know, like on Harry Potter when they, they suck the light out of the street lamps with, you know, their little trickster or whatever. Kind of what it felt like where it was just, you know, the light didn't disappear, obviously, but it just felt like uh, something's going to happen. I just kind of my feelers were... You know, my spidey senses were kind of going a little crazy, and I just felt like this dark 
presence. You know, and I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. And kept riding our bikes and it just got worse and worse and worse to the point where I started feeling very uncomfortable. And I remember just almost getting mad because it just felt like it was, it was affecting me physically and, and emotionally. I was kind of getting a little worried. So just kept riding our bikes. I didn't say anything to my companion. Uh, his name was Ryan. I didn't say anything to him. I didn't uh, show any uh, signs of distress or anything physically. Just kept riding our bikes. And then I remember we came to this intersection and then there's no one around. Like there's no cars. Um, kind of like my first encounter where there's just no one around, which was interesting. And come to this intersection and there's like this crescendo of darkness that I remember feeling. And then all of a sudden, I believe it was out of my left side, I hear this voice call my name. And it was a, not a nice voice. It was very, it was a male voice, um, very nefarious. Um, it wasn't a yell, it wasn't a scream, but it was just this uh, voice that just spoke my name. And I just about crashed <laughs> my bike. And, uh, you know, I, I think I probably just said a quick prayer. I don't remember everything because I was just, I was kind of in survival mode at that time. And it just felt um, super, super uneasy. But I remember um, just saying a quick prayer. And, uh, and, and I, I, that was one thing, you know, with the, with the light encounter that I had in my truck. I don't know what that was. But with this encounter, I know what it was. And I think we all understand that, uh, at least those that want to believe, um, understand what that was. And it was, in, in my opinion, um, it was a it was an evil spirit that was trying to get in my head, trying to scare me, trying to whatever, um, whatever you want to, you know, insert here. That's what it was trying to do. <clears throat> and uh, out of every experience that I've had. Uh, with the exception of one more that I think I'm going to share tonight, um, that's probably the most terrifying thing that I've ever experienced because um, there was it was a something from the spirit world um, that knew my name, that spoke my name, and was almost harassing me is what it felt like. Yeah, but uh, you know, I like I said, I kind of said a quick prayer. We got home. We retired for the night, we went to bed, and we just went about the work, you know, the next day. And I, I do remember it kind of affecting me. It's not like I lost sleep over it, or um, I can't ride my bike in dark streets anymore. You know, it wasn't, um, I felt like, okay, this this happened. You know what it was. It was real. Um, move on with your life. And, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think... You know, with being a missionary and having, you know, ha having been in the same capacity in my life, I think I understand where you're coming from. It's a time in your life when you're really trying to dedicate yourself to this, you know, to this work and to, you know, put yourself out there. You're growing in different ways, um, but you're also trying to live your life in, a, in an acceptable way to God. And right. so to have something like this kind of creep up 
and take the wind out of your sails, you know, it really yeah. is a is a big distraction. Um, you know, we'd like to say that there's you know, there's a lot of opposition in all things, you know, yeah. and I think that by you trying to do good, you know, this is kind of the the yin the yin to the yeah. yin kind of <laughs> Yeah. So light and dark, you know, good and bad. Um yeah. But you know, I think about it and I, I you know, it was an experience that I had. Um I don't know that it was an experience that God allowed to occur. Um, you know, I have faith that God can do anything that he um wills and and has a purpose for. And if he wanted to pre- prevent that from happening, I I knew that he could do that without a doubt. And today, same feeling. I don't feel like he left me. I don't feel like he you know, set me up or whatever. Um, I felt like it was something that happened. It was kind of a test maybe to say, yeah, look, you're serving God. You're doing all these right things. You're doing good. Um, you're trying to serve your fellow men. You're trying to follow the commandments, whatever. Um, but yeah, this other thing, this other side of of life, the other side of the world, um, there's light and there's darkness. And there's definitely a testimony in my life now that there is darkness in this world, that spirits are good and bad, and that they can come in and out of our lives. And we could interact with them if we want to or if we don't want to. And um, yeah, you know, it was one of those things that it, I, it's probably out of all the experiences, that's probably the one that stands out the most um, as uh, kind of the, the cream of the crop of the experiences I've had. If that's a, uh, I don't want to say that it's a, a good thing that it happened. Yeah. The most, but it's most, the most standout yeah. uh, moment there. Poignant. Yeah. Good word there. I've got a couple more, but we're probably running a little bit uh long here um yeah i think we can do one more each maybe and then probably wrap up and yeah call it a night yeah so um gosh my ufo my other main ufo one's really good but um i i've written about it in detail on the blog i've also reported it to the new fork so that's there for the taking um i've got like kind of a little visual representation of kind of what I saw approximately where I saw it, what it looked like. <laughs> I remember it's, you telling me about this the first time. And then when you actually put, you know, you do a good job of explaining. And, but I think that there's things in, if as a listener and you're trying to interpret what a person's telling you and you're trying to visually um, form an image in your mind of what that looks like, like you could kind of be all over the board. And so when you when you actually put it on paper, so to speak, it's on the blog. But when you actually put it on paper, I was like, I had it a little bit wrong. Like it doesn't look like what I thought. But the way that you explain it is just insane. And so it's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of those ones where my instinct was so opposite of what I thought it would be. My my instinct was to go towards it. You know, but what I actually did was the opposite. I went away from it, yeah. <laughs> trying to get a better view. I don't know, you know. And you're, I'm driving in traffic anyway. I don't want to get too much into that one. Um, 
I wanted to actually t- touch on what I think was a Sasquatch experience. And I kind of touched on this in our first intro episode. Yeah, I, didn't really I think so. Get too deep there. Yeah, it was kind of a. It seems like you just kind of gleaned over a little bit, and that's that one's on the blog too. Yeah, but I think it's worth telling because it's it's pretty fascinating. And you know, we just had Bill Sheehan on, and one of the stories that he um, discussed and read to the the, the audience and to me um, was a non visual encounter. Um, and I think that's kind of what this category it kind of fits into. Yeah, yeah. Um, Not that it's any less <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, and and that's the thing is that you know if if it's not Sasquatch, then what was that? You yeah. Know, what what were we experiencing there? So okay, um, my family and I we we actually did an RV trip for eighteen months, and towards the beginning of this RV trip. Um, we were lucky enough to stay along the the uh, Washington Peninsula, and we had stayed um, up on kind of the northern um, uh, the northern side, um, Dungeness area, and then we had driven down um, to the Connaught uh, Casino. And that's at Ocean Shores, uh, Washington. That's actually, there's an Indian reservation there. And then there's a town that kind of borders that, which is Ocean Shores. It's kind of just a little tourist destination. We were at the Quinault um, because it had it had free dry camping. And we could stay there for, I think, two weeks without really paying anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had you know water. We had a generator. We had two tanks full of gas. We were able to just kind of stay there. Um, and the way that this ocean shore is, it's, you know, it's these kind of very flat, long um, shoreline that actually people go out and you can drive out on there because it's just very flat and the waves just take forever to come in and they just they just spread out and kind of foam. There's lots of... Uh, Razor clams and and uh, clam digging that people can do right there, um, and then there's kind of like a set of dunes, and then there's some foliage, um, you know, that's pretty particular to the you know the gra- the grassy area, and then you've got this kind of parking lot like gravelly area, okay, and then behind that, it kind of works back into like deeper vegetation. And this deeper vegetation kind of starts off, um, you know, six foot tall and gets nine foot tall and then gets deeper and denser. Um, And it's mostly deciduous stuff, you know, that's just kind of right there getting a lot of that shore most uh, moisture from the shore. And so there's there's kind of a mist that comes through there every night Um, as the air cools down. uh, There's kind of just this mist that comes off the as the as the tide comes in and it kind of just kind of sticks to everything. And I think that kind of feeds some of that vegetation. And that's so, a very normal yeah, in those environments right yeah. by the shore, especially yeah. in Washington. Yeah. Just this type of beach is a lot different from um, beaches that we uh, visited later in the trip. We had been on the different um, beaches in Oregon and uh, there's also all sorts of um, types of, of places really. Um, this one really stands out 
was being unique that way. But um, we when we first pulled in, it was it was a mess. It was some kind of like Harley convention, and we had to kind of like thread the thread our trailer through this parking lot, and then back in you know the area that we found was kind of back in this corner. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to get all set up and then have to move. And, um, and there's a guy in the parking lot going, now that there's an RV. Yeah. <laughs> there's always one of those, you know, and with RVing, there's always a group of people that want to, they want to watch you back it in. Like, Oh, this right. is going to be good. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be good. They're awesome. placing their bets. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh, they're like live streaming on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, and I was pretty new to backing our trailer up, but um, we ended up getting a really good spot. Um, and I think we just, I mean, we were there for, for a solid two weeks and we just had access to the pool. We could kind of come and go um, into the casino and go to the pool and walk back. Um, and so that, that ended up being a nice, just a nice place to kind of do what we needed to. I was able to work during the, during the day and all that. Um, so probably about, let's say about 12 days in out of our 14 days, we had, um, the kids down, they're all asleep. Um, since we were running off of a generator, you know, the time to turn off the generator was, we, there was a kind of a quiet time. We kicked it off and that big crowd had, you know, come and gone and there had been probably five or six other RVs that had come and gone. And there's a total of probably only like three or four of us left. And we're just by ourselves in this corner The you know, the next closest thing was probably like a little van camper thing that was, I would say, you know, quarter to half mile away from us. So we're, we're isolated. We're by ourselves and our kids are down. Uh, my wife and I were just, we're just kind of up chatting um and we had we had a light on we were probably you know she's probably on her facebook and i was probably reading reading something and the light was on inside so we just had one dome light on above us uh, we're trying to conserve our battery and we start hearing just this this scratching kind of picking sound and then it almost sounds like uh, so that's like underneath on a our trailer it's metal you know and so it sounded like kind of picking at this metal um and it just you know wait did you hear that yeah so we're just both kind of perked up and we're both listening and it almost sounded like someone or something tried to open the latch on the door we had had it locked you know it has a bolt uh and a and a handle lock so it's, it has two they're both locked and it just kind of sounded like a flip of the of the handle and i'm thinking what the heck okay i'm thinking maybe this is you know there's some animal trying to chew on the underbelly of our rv is it you know some buddy out there trying to steal our stuff you know we had shoes and frisbees and a vagrant or something just yeah trying to... i mean it's on a it's on a reservation it's kind of in the middle of nowhere but the funny thing is, coming in there, they have, um, you go across this creek that um, feeds out into the ocean, and there's a bridge, and there's a sign, and it's a Sasquatch crossing sign. 
And we just got a kick out of that. And this whole area, we had actually um, took, an, took a wrong turn and we went into this little kind of neighboring area um, north of there. And everywhere, I mean, we must have seen four or five Sasquatch car carvings. Um, you know, 10-foot carvings of Sasquatch. Like totems. Totems, re representations. And there's, I would have to say, just in the whole Northwest, going from Washington through Oregon, especially in the coastal areas, there's probably a good 100 to 150 of these. They're everywhere. It's, it's ingrained in the culture. Um, and it's not so much even that um, it's pop culture. It's, they're older. You know, they've been there. It's it's kind of just like you're in this territory. It's a it's a matter of fact that there's Sasquatch here, and that kind of, in a way, might have play, played into my psychology of things a little bit. So um, I had I had a big mag light, big D cell uh, mag light, and I I kind of you know threw on some shoes and just uh, bust out the door. And the first place I was going to look was underneath. And so, you know, I'm going to look right where I heard the sound, right, right where I think it is. And I come out that side and look under and don't see anything. I go under the nose of the, of the fifth wheel and poke under again and then on the other side. Well, I didn't see anything. I didn't really hear anything at that point. Um... And then I can I kind of came back around the other side, and uh, I basically heard a crashing just straight into these these this brush that's there, and that just like totally set hairs on the back of my neck up. Like okay, like something huge just charged straight into this vegetation, and it's either spooked or you know. Uh, trying to hide like in my mind i pictured just a sasquatch booking it straight into the into the brush and breaking the brush and then hiding that's, which is typical behavior that's, right yeah I mean, a lot of reports and and knowing what i know now it's like it's probably the trickster type you know it's type one or type two that's just likes to really mess with you you know it's yeah. curious what's this thing definitely not nefarious necessarily but they're just like like Brian Duke Sullivan talks about how, the, oh yeah, they'll just, they'll just come in and just they kind of want to just laugh at the humans, yeah, play tricks on them and yeah, there's don't that. want to hurt you. They're not trying to be scared. They're not trying to scare you on purpose necessarily. They're just it's a game to them almost. Yeah, and that to me, like in my mind, that's what it was. But then Christina said, "Yeah, I, I thought I saw someone run. I thought I saw something." bipedal run as you were on the other side she's like it's you know it's super dark out but i thought i saw a figure moving and so i'm like oh crap no this isn't gonna go this way <laughs> so i go in and i get i get my gun i put it on get my gun belt on and i have this plan i'm like okay we're gonna throw on our floodlights in the back because we have this uh this toy hauler fifth wheel and it's it's made for being out in the dunes, and you can have these floodlights come on to be part of you know yeah your little staging area yeah see or... where your staging area is and get getting back. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna open the door. You're gonna throw the floodlights, and I'm gonna run around, and I'm like ready to draw. 
Like I've got I've got a round rack. Uh so getting pretty worked up right now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm kinda like I'm going out here and beating my chest and behind the area was like a little mound. Um where the, it was kinda like just medium sized rocks with dirt, little mound. And then it kinda went down to this gully and then to the vegetation. So it's a good thirty yards till the actual vegetation. And from the front of our trailer, I mean, a trailer's 40 foot, and then you're talking another 30 yards. What's, right. what's that? You know, So it's right. probably like 100, 150 feet away to actual brush where there's, there's vegetation. So I, I basically, as soon as that light was on, I charged this hill, and there's big rocks on there, and I just pick up, start picking them up and start hucking them towards the direction of where I thought I heard the sound. I'm just trying to draw out whatever, trying to get it to kind of, if it's a, if it's a deer, let the deer scatter. If it's whatever, let it, let it show its face or let it show like, or like, you know, if it's a human, like, ah, you hit me, you know, something. And I'm just like, I'm like ready. I'm kind of being territorial, like kind of beating my chest a little bit, which probably wasn't a good idea. Well, and, and here it is. If it's a human, whether it be a vagrant, a hobo, whatever, some drunk gooch, some drunk dude. <clears throat> yeah, you got a gun, right? Yeah. So how much more are you going to mess with you and your family? Well, and had it, I mean, it was, it was, I was super close to th- sending some hot lead its direction, let's just say. Did you have your pistol out? I, I had it. I had it in the chamber, but yeah, okay. So it wasn't in your hand as you're chucking rocks necessarily. No, because yeah, that's my same hand. So yeah, I mean, I I kind of was pretty. I mean, I went from being like, "Hey, I'm I'm ready to doze off here," to being like fully lit, like, like adrenaline, super, yeah, and was kind of throwing that whole territorial attitude, hundred and ten percent. Yeah, yep. So that. Um, that's really interesting, but what really kind of like, Oh, okay. Like really kind of brought it full circle for me was actually looking at the FRO reports in the area. And this, this area is pretty close to, um, an intersection near, uh, Copalis beach. And you can go on, you can look in this, um, in this County and Copalis beach has several sightings. Um, and then there's actually another one that is almost in that same exact neck of the woods right where we were that was kind of more recent there's an older one that actually the Copalis beach one is very involved um it involves a sasquatch coming um into i think it's like reaching through their window yeah and then they have that's uh, the barn i think they had a barn where they thought um, it had gone in there as well so that's a very involved very detailed bfr report and that's all within you know, a five, six mile radius where we were. Yeah. So the, the one that you're talking about in the Copalis beach, um, there's a YouTuber. Um, it's not the Bob Gimlin, um, but it is a Bob Gimlin. Um, he's a younger, younger kid. Um, Gimlin with a Y G Y L M I N, however you spell it. And he actually does a, a reading on the cowman incident that you're referring to in Copalis Beach. And that's probably one of the most terrifying 
accounts that you'll hear of and or read or listen to. And so where James was really close to this, it really makes you wonder. So we maybe we'll link that up on the blog or something, or at least give you enough information that you can go on YouTube and search that one out because that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, and this this area, um, just from that whole area all through, I think it's Oak Harbor, if I'm correct. Um, it's all very dense woods. Um, and you've got kind of got these coastal inlets all around. You've kind of got this peninsula that it comes down. And so you've got different areas, you know, um, different pockets of, of habitat, so to speak. So it's, it's highly, you know, that's a hotbed through there. You know, as you're telling the story, and just now I was kind of thinking, you know, you mentioned earlier on, uh, before you got into the meat of your story about these, these carvings, these statues, the totems of Sasquatch that line the coast between Washington and Oregon, makes me wonder if the Sasquatch are actually attracted to those somehow. Like, oh yeah, they're the humans are carving images of us. Like they know about us. <laughs> they they know what we look like. And maybe there's a curiosity there that draws these in that actually causes these areas to be hot spots. Yeah, never I never really thought of it that way. I just more thought of it was like, look at how prolific yeah. a Bigfoot carving is. And there's different styles, a lot of them using chainsaws, some of them friendly looking, some of them terrifying looking, different proportions. All shapes and sizes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole gambit. Um, but it's a common thread throughout that whole travel through the Northwest. Um, on tribal lands and on tribal lands. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, a um, couple questions for you. When you heard the thing running, because your wife was in the RV, she claims that she saw or thinks she saw a bipedal shadow running the same time that you heard running before it crashed. The, is that right? So I I didn't hear necessarily footsteps. Just the crashing. I just the heard the crash. So That's what what's so the... weird to me is that if it had been something going at any speed, why didn't I hear footsteps? Why didn't I hear? Because the way that the rocks, the you know, the gravel and the rocks were, I mean, me just walking around out there is I'm displacing pebbles yeah. and stuff, and I could hear myself walk. Why couldn't I hear whatever this was? Yeah, charging. You know, and you're, you make a good point, and I'm wondering if, you know, if it was a Sasquatch, let's just assume that for right now, because that's the best explanation so far. If it was a Sasquatch, um, and it sounds like it was in a, if it was um, running through the bush, the stride length on those things are, are phenomenal, right? And especially if they're running, if they're yeah. moving at a high click. Um, the stride length doubles or triples on those creatures. So maybe it launched on one foot, started running on grass. I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to explain it away a little bit just to see if there's a... Yeah, I think probably by the time that I had gotten out with the flashlight, it was already at the other end of the trailer. No problem. Easily could have so been just there. just super quick. And, and you so said your trailer was 40, 45 foot? Yeah. 
So, I mean, from, from that point of, you know, the door where I come, came out, you know, it's closer to 30 feet from that door to the back. And then another, you know, 30 yards-ish until it gets kind of brushy. So, um, yeah, I mean, it could have covered that ground really yeah. easily by the time I got out there with a flashlight. So, do you remember hearing any vocalizations, whether it's a grunt, a snort, um, any smells, anything else that your senses maybe picked up? Or was it something that just everything happened so quick? That's Yeah, I don't, I don't recall any smell. I don't recall any um, vocalizations of any kind. And part of me was like, you know, that's, that's a big deer coming through here. But it just didn't make sense. Like a deer would just bound over certain areas and kind of just be out of there. And how is it going to get under your RV? Yeah, and just the, the interact, like it just seemed like, like if I could paint a picture in my mind of what it was, it was a young to adolescent Sasquatch, curious, just goofing off. On a dare. Yeah, on They're a like, dare. Hey. They hear movement <laughs> in the trailer. Guy, I mean, they have good hearing. You hear us talking, hear me moving, hear me coming out. Okay, they're already towards the end of the trailer. I start checking out. And part of me is like, oh, like, why didn't I shine the light, you know, down down, the, down that down direction road. towards the trailer? But my mind was under the trailer. Look under the trailer because you're going to see something there. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was my mindset. mindset at the time, so... It's interesting as you're talking about that, like we're we're kind of looking that through your eyes. But if it was an adolescent Sasquatch, takes off into the brush, like looking through his eyes, watching you, you know, crawling under the trailer with your light and, you know, running around and then you're throwing rocks and they're probably going, what's this guy doing? Like, <laughs> And then crazy. the other guy's like, yeah, I won the bet. I got him out of the RV and... uh <laughs> Like pay up, pay yeah. up in uh, chicken heads or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. You have to. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, you know, with 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 the discussion we had with Duke about all the types of Bigfoot, um, it's interesting that um, he talks so much about. Yeah, they're just goofing around. Like, sure, you you were amped up. You were pretty scared. But on their side, they're like, yeah, we're not. We're not trying to hurt you. We're just screwing with you, which, yeah, you know, ha-ha, jokes. When I, in perspective, like, just knowing what I know now, like, I could, I could see that. I could see the, the scarier part is we probably, I, I think we let our kids play out back of the trailer. They're out, you know, kind of digging with sand toys and making little piles with rocks, they, you know. One of our daughters just loves to collect rocks, and she had our, a little collection in a little area. I think, I want to say they even had like a little rock shop set up, if I, mm. if I remember right. And how, you know, it's possible that they were being yeah. watched during the day, you know? So it's kind of that curiosity killed the cat kind of a thing where they had to move in closer and be like, you know, yeah. what's this? What are these people more about? Interesting. So that's kind of creepy. Think yeah. About. Well, and and David Pilates, he talks um, about 411 and the missing people. He's talking about the Sasquatch. 
And I know that he mentioned in one of his, one of his interviews, he's done a million interviews. So if you get on YouTube, you do a search for David Polites 411, David Polites uh, Bigfoot, whatever, you're going to come up with a ton of results. And a lot of that's going to be recycled. Um, but on one of the accounts um, online, he talks about how, yeah, if you want to get a Sasquatch activity, he says, get a tent, um, put a light on inside, get a recording of kids laughing and playing and giggling and talking, and then get up in a tree and watch that tent. And there's a pretty high likelihood that you might get some activity, you know, because they're attracted to, to children, not in a, uh, in a bad way necessarily that we know of, but they're just curious. They just want to see the little people and, you know, they're not seeing adults play around in the dirt and getting dirty and having a fun time, but yeah. it's interesting you bring that up because that's a yeah a common indicator, I think, with, with Sasquatch activity. Yeah, part of me wonders if they were kind of lurking there the whole time since we'd got there, you know, and once things died down, you know, they're just people watching. They've yeah. they got nothing better to do. Whether they go dig up clams or whatever, I don't know. He's in one of them's in the bush, just taking a dump, and he's just watching you guys. Like, <laughs> got nothing better to do. Like the humans taking a dump and yeah. on his phone, and I'm it's on like, my dump watching people. So it's like us on Instagram or whatever, right? It's like we're their Instagram. <laughs> well, yeah, that's I like cool. sharing that story, kind of capping things off. You yeah. Know, anything else? So I got a quick one before we end. I know we're you know pushing um, hour and twenty minutes right now, but and it's getting pretty late our time. But kind of circle things off a little bit. And I I keep thinking back on all the experiences I've had versus experiences you've had, and I have some really weird paranormal experiences. But you seem to have UFO, which is paranormal, but it's not you know it's a weird category. Uh, separation between the two of us, but um, this next experience, you think it would be one of the top more frightening experiences, especially with the experience I just shared about my bike and the voice. Um, coincidentally, uh, the experience I'm about to talk about happened in the same city in Evansville, Indiana, um, within probably six weeks of the bike incident um, where I heard the voice uh, say my name. So um, <clears throat> I was, we we're in our apartment. Um, you know, we had retired for the day, changed our clothes, had dinner, everything was put away. Um, my companion at the time, uh, Ryan, he was, he was out like a light. Uh, he was sawing logs. And for some reason, I just felt very uneasy. Um, you know, we worked pretty hard, pounding the pavement, riding bikes, and just out all day. So it's usually pretty easy to fall asleep at night. But in this this particular night, I had a hard time falling asleep. And, you know, when you fall asleep, you don't really have your eyes closed, necessarily. Like, I have my eyes open. Even now, if I have a hard time falling asleep, I keep my eyes open. I just kind of look around the room, and I'm thinking, and I might roll over a couple times. And that's kind of what I was doing. Um, just trying to get into a comfortable position and just trying to calm myself down and, and I, you know, I was just deep in thought, whatever. And I remember feeling, um, 
like my companion and I were not alone in the apartment. And it was, it felt like the moment um, when I was riding my bike, I just felt like something was happening um, or about to happen. I just had that, you know, spidey sense, precognitive feeling, whatever you want to label it, that's kind of what was happening. I just felt like something was about to happen. And so as I'm kind of laying, you know, we had these twin beds. He was on one side of the room, I was on the other. And then towards the um, far wall, we had some dresser drawers. And then on the left side, um, you know, my head was facing east, my feet were heading west. And then the door was on my left as I was looking towards my feet. And I remember... It, you know, we, when you hear about Sasquatch sightings, like right before they happen, um, people talk about how um, animal life, bugs, <laughs> um, birds, squirrels, whatever, it just goes, it's like someone kills the switch and everything just turns off. Like that's what happened in that apartment that night. It just felt like this rush of quietness <clears throat> enter the apartment um, while I'm awake and my eyes were drawn to the doorway um, of our bedroom which that wall um, on the other side of the doorway it was kind of a living room kitchen area um, that was divided through, uh, through the apartment and so I'm looking at this doorway and, you know, my eyes were open, so they were adjusted to the darkness, and I could see details pretty easily. Um, but I just, I, I see this figure standing in the doorway. You know, in a, in a regular doorway, you know, I'm looking at your doorway, and it's, eh, you know, three feet by seven feet, maybe. You know, and that's probably about the same size as the door that was in our apartment. And, you know... Showing James here, you folks can't see it, but my bed was in this corner, Ryan's was in this corner, and my feet were heading this way, and my head was over here, and I was looking at this doorway. And I see this dark, shadowy, faceless figure standing in the doorway, and had the appearance that it was looking at me. And I've I've heard of, you know, I think Tony Merkel on the confessionalist, he's talked about shadow people before. Um, so whatever you want to categorize this as, you know, feel free. I felt like this was a, a spirit of some kind. Um, you know, it looked like it had mass. But it was interesting because it was like I looked at it and it just looked like even the dark room looked really bright compared to this creature. And I remember sitting there and I'm going, okay, so is this the thing that spoke my name a few weeks ago? Like, that's what was going through my mind. Um, interestingly enough, you know, this seems like it's an underwear changing moment. But for me, it wasn't as scary as that thing talking to me. So whether it's the one and the same creature being whatever... I don't know, but I remember looking and geez, I'm getting worked up. <laughs> I remember looking at the doorway and I remember the head was like, I mean, it filled the entire space of the doorway. You could see arms, you could see the head, 
And uh, yeah, I was freaky. And I just was like, okay, it's time for me to go to sleep now. Like, like that's what I, that's what I remembered. And I remembered kind of mumbling a prayer under my breath. And then I closed my eyes and I went to sleep and didn't see it again. Um, have never experienced anything like that after. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, I, I look at James's face now and he's just like, ah, and he's heard this before, <laughs> but you know, it was, it wasn't as frightful to me as the one that spoke my name for some reason. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, there was no voice. Um, it didn't move necessarily. I mean, it just looked like it was this faceless, like, I mean, it had the form of a man, but there was like no definition to it. It was just shadow. It was just darkness. It was weird. And, you know, again, I didn't feel, you know, obviously felt like, yeah, this is not a good being. Um, you know, if this was from God, it would be completely opposite looking, right? Yeah. It wouldn't scare me necessarily. Um, it wouldn't uh, be formed of pure darkness, right? Like, obviously. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty crazy. So um, I've, I think there's enough stories out there of shadow people and shadow experiences. Um, I think there's some people call them jinn. Yeah. I think that might be come from a Middle Eastern influence. Asia, possibly. Yeah. Some kind of um, overlap there. But yeah, I think that there's other people that have had, you know, a similar thing happen to them. Um, I've heard stories of people having them be friendly. I don't know if that's um, common, mm -hmm. but um, again, it's, it's kind of its own vein of weirdness. You know, it's its own category. Yeah. You know, I, I'm my hands are sweating right now. <laughs> you know, just talking about it, it feels like I was just kind of put put myself back there. But you know, it was one of those things that um, I chalk up as I, I feel like I have enough evidence for for my own um for my own self to know 100 percent um i've seen them i've heard them i felt their presence um that it it boosted it increased my testimony that there is a god because i feel like in our world there's there's opposites in everything you know, and I know James and I were talking about some of these scary encounters, and I know that we both had really good encounters of whether they be angelic um, or something that maybe God has um, decided to share with us that is good and is righteous and uh, whatever you want to categorize that. Um, we've had just as many, at least I have, um, and I know James is not in his head right now, but... Um, for me, it was just a testament that, yeah, these things are real. They're out there. They're in the world. Uh, they can come and go at will. Um, they can show themselves to us. Um, they can interact with us, um, which is unfortunate. But, um, 
yeah, you know, it actually kind of strengthened my testimony in God because I felt like if these exist, you know, not that I question God or anything like that, but it just shored up my testimony that, yeah, if these things exist, I know for a fact that God exists. We really appreciate you guys taking the time to to listen to our experiences. Again, if you want to read about them, they're on our site. And we invite you to share yours with us. Um, we've had some interactions with some folks on uh, through Facebook groups that um, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. And I think mm-hmm. we would like to be able to curate those if you'd, if you'd allow us. So feel free to give us an email. Drop us a line. Um, we'd really like to hear from you. Yeah. And just to kind of ditto what James has said, we just appreciate you guys. Um, you know, we're, we're new at this and we appreciate your patience as we kind of, um, you know, we're doing everything ourselves. We don't hire out for anything for the web stuff, um, the social stuff, like we're all doing it and we're both full-time workers. We're both dads, we're both married. So the time that we can and do commit to this, um, we try to put in our best effort as much as we can. And I think you guys, as you listen to some upcoming episodes you'll see some changes the quality of our shows um the the intro and some of the music is going to be different um as we kind of progress and really kind of get a better grasp at this um but because of that um you know we're you've heard of a shoestring budget and we're how many levels below that <laughs> because we're just we're we if you looked at our setup you know we again we're trying to do the best that we can with what we have, but we actually created a Patreon page. Um, it's easy for us to find, easy for you to find if you just type in Lost River Legends and Patreon. Um, you'll be able to find us there. Uh, we're still putting the finishing touches on that page, um, but we really um, would appreciate any um, support that you could give us. Um, we're going to have some tiered out. Um, donation structures whatever patreon uh, labels that as um for those that uh, would be willing to support the channel um again we have some really good content coming out um we've been in contact with some really high profile people um that have just been super super nice and very willing to come on our show um and for a couple of ragtag guys doing this for the first time um we're we're pretty happy with where we're at so far and with the contact that we've that we've had with people um one of the things that we did not mention early on we did talk about Timothy Renner he's going to be on in an upcoming episode we talked about Brian Forrester with the practice goals um we're pretty hopeful that we can narrow down um an actual interview date uh with this next guest uh, but we have Dr. Jeff Meldrum uh, that's committed to be on our show. Um, and we're, we live in his backyard. So we're actually hoping to be, um, do a, a face-to-face interview with Dr. Meldrum. Um, that one's still kind of on the burner right now. We're still kind of putting the final touches on scheduling. Um, he's a busy, busy guy. Um, but you know, these are some of the shows that we can hopefully deliver to you guys. And hopefully, uh, the, the types of shows and the, and the guests that we have, the content that we create that will continue. Um, so if you're able to donate for Patreon, it would definitely help us to, um, add to our, our equipment, um, 
and the things that we need to uh, give you guys the best experience possible. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of exciting stuff coming your way and just being able to, to capture it all and to share it all with you. Um, it's, it's our privilege to do that. Um, but it's, you know, our time is, is probably one of the more sensitive areas. I know yeah. Brett, it's funny cause Brett, um, he won't tell you this, but he has basically a big gaping hole in his arm from where, uh, he donates plasma. Jeez. <laughs> so blood money, blood money to get this show on the road. <laughs> I joke about that, but it's true. <laughs> But we, we appreciate everyone, and you guys have a good night or day whenever you're listening to this. Yep. Thanks, guys, and we'll catch you on the next show. Take care. <laughs>